Amen. How many of you are ready to praise the Lord? Can you just shout amen this morning? Amen. What a wonderful Lord that it is that we come this morning to celebrate. And we rejoice in him and we praise in him. This morning I want to bring to your attention a song. Many of you have probably heard by a gentleman by the name of Ray Stevens. Any of you ever heard him? He does some pretty good stuff. And I remember one day hearing of the song, the young man who took a trip, and he took a squirrel into the church with him. Y'all know that one? The Mississippi Squirrel Revival. The chorus of that song says, the day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in revival, and they were jumping pews and shouting hallelujah. This morning, if you decide to jump a pew, please be sure and don't break the one in front of it, but we can jump pews this morning and shout hallelujah. Amen? Amen. But we can't do it self-righteous. I believe we're going to see in this message today that the Lord has given me that it's not about us, it's not about being self-righteous. And I believe that's probably the reason revival broke out in that church when something finally moved and got a hold of them. What a powerful thing it would be to be in the presence one day when the Holy Spirit just breaks out and revival breaks out. Amen. I want us to this week and next week look at what I'm calling encounters or encounters with God. A time of worship. You know, when we come to this place on Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, anytime we go before the Lord, we should be expecting to have an encounter. And we should be going before the Lord for a time of worship. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles this morning as we look at what I want us to talk about today is how to be heard by God. I, don't, I wasn't going to say do a show of hands, but I'm not going to do that. But in your heart and in yourself, would you like to know today how to be heard by God? What is so special with being heard by God over anyone else? Well, let me tell you, God is a holy and a righteous God. God is a transcendent God. God is the creator of the universe. God has created us. And because of God's holiness and righteousness, there are many people in this world today that are not heard by God. God hears those of his children, those who have trusted on Jesus Christ for Lord and Savior. But I would believe even as believers that probably at some point in your life, you have been where I have been at times and my prayers didn't even, you know, I used to hear the phrase, they didn't go past it. I've had them sometimes just feel like they didn't even reach the ceiling, amen? I don't know if you've ever been there. But if you hadn't, there might be coming a time. So what I want us to see today is how to have an encounter and a worship time with God and how to be heard by God. If you would take your Bibles this morning and open to Matthew chapter 18. And then move your finger over to verse 9. And once you've turned there, you can look up this away as you're turning. We're going to look at and we're going to contrast today two different people 
in this parable. Now we understand this is a parable being told by Jesus. He's been talking with his disciples. Jesus is in the process of making his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. And there are people walking along and he's been talking to his disciples. And now most likely he's going to turn and he's going to talk to some Jews that are walking along with him. You know, you have conversations as they walk. They didn't have cars in those days. They didn't have buses, airplanes, motorcycles. They walked everywhere they went. And what better way to pass the time because you sure don't get there too quickly walking. You know, we don't understand that too much these days, do we? But he was talking to them and he gives them a parable. We also know it's a parable because there's no specific names mentioned. But he talks about two people or maybe two classes of people. One of those he's going to talk about is a Pharisee. I just want to describe to you a little bit this morning about a a Pharisee who was a Pharisee so that we can understand that. We've heard the songs about Pharisees and Sadducees. And what's the song? A Sadducee? Can't you see they're sad? You know. But Pharisees. Who is he talking about? But it was an important Jewish sect. This was a very secluded or, I don't want to say a private group, but it was a very important group of people at the time of Jesus. Jesus. But what is special about the Pharisees is they were devoted to exact, I want you to hear that, exact observance of the Jewish religion. Not necessarily the Jewish law. They did their best to keep that, but they added to it. But they were very uh, in your face of keeping the exact Jewish religion. So that's the first person that we're going to encounter in our story. And the second one is the tax collector, or it may be, say, publican in your Bible. I tell you, oftentimes I had trouble. I wrote this, and I had to go back and look. I always put Republican. But it's talking about a tax collector or a publican. Who was a publican so that we understand this? But it was someone that was responsible for collecting the taxes and the tolls on behalf of the Roman government. Now, the Jewish people felt that the Roman government had overstepped their boundaries. And that oftentimes these tax collectors or these publicans were considered traitors. They were helping the enemy. They would come in and overtake. They were not very well liked people. They were looked down on. They were ostracized. So Jesus is going to take and tell a parable. Most likely he's probably talking to some Pharisees. They're walking down the road in their pretty robes. Everyone looking at them with their heads held high and their chest puffed out. They were thinking mighty great things about themselves. Because they keep the religion. So would you stand with me as we look at this parable this morning. As we read from Luke chapter 18 beginning in verse 9. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, 
but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you this, man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Father God, I just come to you this morning. Father, I believe in your power. Lord, I believe in Holy Spirit. Father, you have given me words today for your people. Lord, this is your message, not mine. Would you speak through me? And Father, I pray for those who are hearing and listening. That Father, you would open their eyes that they can behold the wonderful things from your word. Father, you would tune their ears in to hear Holy Spirit. And Father, you would soften hearts to respond and to receive your word this morning. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. May you be seated as we look in God's word. He's got a message for you today. He says, I want you to know how you can be heard by him. This is his message to you this morning. What I want us to do is I want us to look and compare and contrast these two different people, the Pharisee and the tax collector. They both, it says, they both went to the temple and they both went to the temple to pray. But as you heard in the reading, there is a difference between the two. The first thing I want us to look at this morning is the prayer of the Pharisee. Scripture begins with the Pharisee, so I'm going to begin this morning with the Pharisee, the prayer of the Pharisee. What I want us to do on both of these is we're going to look at four things with each one of them. We're going to look at the location, we're going to look at their posture, their speech, and the reward. We're going to do that on both of them so that we can compare contrast. If you're going to compare something, you've got to take apples to apples, not apples to oranges. You remember that from school. Hopefully they taught that in Stanley. They barely taught it where I went up at Woodlawn. But we understand you have to have the same thing. So I want to look at the same four situations in both of them. First of all, what do we see there with the location of the Pharisee? If you look in your Bibles, it says in verse 11 that the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself. So the location of the Pharisee was front and center. What do I mean by it was front and center? He stood and was praying to himself. Well, when you look in, and one thing they teach you in school to understand is you need to understand the context in which the scripture was written. And when the Luke wrote this, he used the word stood, and this is what they would have understood it to be. When this word stood was used was to come up In the presence of others. So the location today of the Pharisee is he has been in the room with us today. It's time for his prayer. He gets up. He's going to walk down front and center and turn around and stand up. So every one of you can see. That's a good place to be, isn't it? We call people to the front. But his attitude and his location. What was his posture? Not just his location, but what was his posture? He was standing up. 
I can imagine he was probably there in that bright robe or whatever he had and all of his tassels. He stood up in front of everybody. He probably had his hands up in the air saying, look at me. Boy, isn't that a posture going to God? Look at me. But his posture wasn't look at me to God. It was look at me, all of you. Well, how do we know that? Well, we can see in his prayer what he was talking about. So his location is front and center. His posture is stand up, look at me. What about his speech? You can learn a lot about someone through their speech. What does it talk about garbage in, garbage out? Bible says what's in your heart will come out. So I want us to take just a few moments and break down and dive into his speech. The Bible doesn't give us a specific word, but I believe we could give it an overarching word of pride was his speech. But let's take a look. Begin there as we work our way through 11 and 12. What does he say? I thank you. Then he says, I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Boy, he's got some self-puffed up situation going on here. And let me just, this wasn't in my notes. Let me just say this. If you like that, be careful before God. Because what does it tell you? Those that are up, he's going to bring down. Those who are prideful, he'll bring down and make them humble. But let's take a look. He says, I, I thank you. Like there's anything within him that's worthy to thank God. Now, we do out of our worship to God thank him. But when you take this I and you see it repeated, and I can imagine, I wasn't there, but I can imagine him standing in front of everyone else. Look at me with his hands up, and he's probably saying as loud as he can, I thank you, God. I thank you. I'm not like other people. What is he? And then he even breaks it down. He says, I'm not like the swindler. Not like the one who wants to rip people off. I'm better than that. He says, I'm not like the unjust I'm not like the adulteress. What's he talking about when he says, I'm not like the adulteress? It covers both categories of adultery or fornication. He's not out there sleeping around being married to someone else. He's not sleeping with someone even though he's not married. And he says, I'm not like this tax collector. I'm better than he is. You know, the problem with that church is that tax collector, that traitor, is created by God just the same as that Pharisee. But this Pharisee is prideful. In his own way, he's talking down about God's creation. I was just reading this morning over in uh, Titus, I think it was, that it talked about not slandering other people, that we need to be compassionate toward everyone. But the Pharisee thinks they're greater than everybody else because they adhere to exact religion. 
And other people are just scum of the earth. Not a word they would have had back then. But I mean, look at how he has disdain for that tax collector. And then he says, I fast twice a week. Okay, what's the big deal with that? Well, in the Jewish religion, you had to fast once a week. So now I'm better than that. God, look at me. Here I am. I fast twice a week. Look at me, God. It's all about me. Oh, God, I pay tithes of all that I have. Not just some things, but all things. And then he says, all that I get. All that I get. Well, guess what, church? Everything belongs to God. And everything that you have has been given to you by God. I know I've said this before. Some people say, well, I go to work and I earn my money. God didn't give it to me. Well, let me tell you what. God gave you a job. God gave you health. God gave you the ability to get out there and do what he told you to do to work and get an income. So what you have is still a gift by God. And you're to be a steward of it. Everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. So now, let's pause and just recap real quickly. Where's the Pharisee? He's down front. His posture is prideful, standing up for all to see. His speech is full of pride. It's all about me. Well, guess what? You go before God, there is a reward. And this Pharisee gets his reward. Let's turn with me just real quickly over to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. And I want you to hear what Jesus says to and about Pharisees. Beginning in verse 23. Woe to you, scribe and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now what a word for God to call. I mean, he's getting his reward, right? says, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier things, provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting others. So we see the Pharisee, he's a hypocrite. He's saying he's sticking to the law. To the religion, but Jesus is saying here they don't even look out for the others. Verse 24, he says, You blind guides who strain out gnat and swallow a camel. Look there at 25, Jesus says again, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. They're worried about the outside, not the inside. 27, he gives them the same thing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones in all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Do you think God hears 
someone who is full of lawlessness and hypocrisy. The Pharisee offered himself to God. Let me just read to you from Isaiah 64. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquity like the wind takes us away. In our pride and in ourselves, what this Pharisee offered to God through his self-righteous self was as filthy rags before God. Now I want us to take a moment this morning and to also look at the tax collector. Let's look at the other person in this. Let's look at the prayer of the tax collector. All right, we're going to be looking here back in Luke chapter 18, verse 13. We're going to find the location of the tax collector. But the tax collector, standing some distance away. Maybe we could say today that the tax collector's in the room with us. And he's just kind of in the back. To himself. What's important about that? I believe this tax collector knew who it was he was praying to. It was a holy God. This tax collector, as we're going to see in a moment, know he was a sinner. He did not deserve to even be in the presence of God. So his location is standing some distance away. I want you to look at his posture. Tells us there that he was unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven. Wouldn't even look up. He knew the presence of who he was in. Psalm 123.1 says, To you I lift up my eyes. Oh, you are enthroned in the heavens. He knew he was in the presence of the Almighty. But also his posture says he was beating his breast or, or beating his chest. Doesn't mean a whole bunch to us today. So you beat your chest. But again, I want us to go back to when Luke wrote this because it's vitally important to understand what this symbolized. Let me just share with you a few things. The beating of the chest was a traditional sign of mourning and contrition. He was mourning over his sin. This contrition is a a form of inter-repentance. You see, he was focused on the inside. He was mourning and grieving over his sin. He had a a repentant attitude. There's a, a group that met, some of you might have heard of, known as the Council of Trent. They met over a period from 1545 to 1563. And this contrition, they said, was as sorrow of the heart and detestation of sin committed with the purpose of not sinning in the future. Do you hear that? 
He was beating his chest. He was mourning for his sin. He was repentant from the inside out to the point that he never wanted to repeat his sin again. And he was aware of his sinfulness. It tells us right there he was beating his chest saying, God be merciful to me. God be merciful to me, the sinner. What about his speech? You remember the speech of the Pharisee? I, I, I. You'd run out of ink marking in your book, circling every time he said I. But that's not the speech of the tax collector. We see that he is asking God. He's pleading with God. He's begging God that he would be merciful to him. He's not owed anything. None of us are owed anything by God. But death, hell, but because of God's love, he's merciful. He's asking that. The tax collector knew that he was undeserving. He did not deserve mercy. Let me illustrate it this way. Many of you might have heard of a gentleman by the name of Louis Palau. He speaks, I think, on our... um, radio station or they use recordings of his and he once told this of a story of Napoleon Bonaparte. Many of y'all know of Napoleon. He was known to be a rude, cruel, and mean person. But one day a mother once approached Napoleon and she was seeking a pardon for her son She approached Napoleon and asked Napoleon that he would pardon the son. And the emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice. Twice he had committed this offense. He was in his army. And he said that this offense, because of justice, demands death. So I can probably see Napoleon, you know, how dare you? Ask me to pardon your son. He is due death. But listen to the reply of the mother. But I don't ask for justice. The mother explained, I plead for mercy. Napoleon replied, but your son does not deserve mercy. Sir, the woman cried, it wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well, then the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. It's mercy that we seek from God. We don't deserve it. We don't even deserve to be in his presence. We don't even deserve to be able to look toward him. We don't even deserve to have a copy of his word. But mercy, that's what the tax collector is going for. And he acknowledged he was a sinner. Now we have the location. We have his posture. We have his speech. Let's look at his reward, just as we did for the other. Take your Bibles and turn over into the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah. 
The prophet Isaiah wrote in the book of Isaiah 61. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 say amen once you have turned there. Isaiah 61 verse 1. Listen to the prophet of Isaiah. It says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, now listen here, to bring good news to the afflicted. I believe the tax collector was afflicted. Would you agree with that? His reward, good news is brought. Prophet says he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The tax collector is brokenhearted. God will bind him up. To proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. His tax collector has been bound in chains to sin. But his reward is liberty and captive. Verse 2 says, prophet said, To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. That tax collector is being, being looked down on and ridiculed, but he has the hope, and there's one day coming when God returns that the vengeance of God will be upon those who look down on the tax collector. It says, to comfort all who mourn. We see the tax collector was mourning. To, gr- to grant those who mourn in Zion, give them a garland instead of ashes. See what this tax collector's getting? The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Believe there's a reward for that tax collector. Back in our passage over in Luke It tells us in verse 14, it says, I tell you this, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself, there comes the Pharisee, will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. One last set of passages I begin to bring this down for you today. We're going to look at this one next week as well. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, part of the Beatitudes, Jesus preaching on the Sermon of the Mountain. I want you to listen. I believe we're going to hear the tax collector in here again. Blessed, this is Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a reward. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Two people we've talked about this morning. Talked about the Pharisee. We've talked about the tax collector. My question to you is which one are you? Oh, pastor, you ain't got to ask that. I'm the tax collector. I'm not like that Pharisee. Uh Uh-oh. 
Now we're going to start getting our shoes stepped on this morning. How many of us in our own way boast about our religion? I go to church. They have church on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. I'm there. Let me just ask you a question. I just want you to honestly answer in yourself. If while we were here today worshiping the Lord, music's been playing, we're about five minutes into the service. That door opens up back here. I mean, it's just a smell. Person walks in the door. They're disheveled, dirty, might not even bathe in a few days. What's your thought? Maybe someone walks through that door that you know is a hardened drug addict and alcoholic. What is your thought when you see him come in here? How careful we need to be before we say we're not the Pharisee. How careful we need to be before we just claim to be the tax collector. I would have to say if I'm honest with myself, I'm both. I am. I'm both. And I'm sure you are too. But what we need to know about that tax collector is he had nothing. He had nothing, church, to offer God. He was ridiculed. He was a sinner. He had nothing to offer. He was a traitor. He was dirty. That disheveled man that comes in here, he has nothing to offer to God. That drug dealer, drug addict, alcoholic, he has nothing to offer to God. But what does God say about that one that he went home justified? So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. You've got three little lines there on the bottom of your handout. I want us to look at three ways to encounter God and be heard by him. Comparing the two of these, we know one Got what he was after. He encountered God. The other one didn't. Let me just, before I get there, just hold your place. Listen to how Jesus talked about that Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. What does that tell you? God wasn't listening. So the whole thing we're talking about today is how to... Be heard by God. Here are three ways to encounter God and be heard by him. You need to be humble. I believe, see, the first thing we see from the tax collector, he was humble. You need to be humble. This doesn't mean weak. But we need to be humble. We need to understand who we are in compared to who we're speaking to. Secondly, we need to be repentful. The Pharisee said he was a sinner. 
If we have sin in our heart, it separates our fellowship with God. We're still God's child as believers, but our fellowship gets hindered and we must confess, we must be repentful, we acknowledge, we agree of our sin that we've done before God and we come before him repentful, not wanting to do that again. And thirdly, I believe that we need to be expectful. Expectful. It says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I truly believe that tax collector coming there, even though he was humble and he was repentful, that he expected God to be there. And he expected to encounter God or he wouldn't have come there. And he wanted God to be merciful to him. When you want to encounter God, church, you've got to be humble. You've got to be repentant. But I believe you've got to be expectful. Mississippi squirrel. Is in a box? In what church? Not the First Baptist Church, but the self-righteous church of Pascagoula. I believe everyone was in that church came because that's what they did look at me i'm at church we're going to put on our best we're going to drive our best car that one car that sits in the driveway i mean y'all have known some people that had that car they had it 30 years they ain't got but 10 miles on it because they only drove it church and back what was the big deal when this squirrel got loose is it got their attention and revival broke out Because they have never expected anything to ever happen in that church. You know, today there are churches all around us and all around the world that are just like that. People come. They're the Pharisee. They come. They know the order of service. Everything's the same. They came here. They say they're coming to worship God, but they don't expect God to show up. You want to experience God You want to encounter God, you need to expect him to show up when you pray. And when you do, you will encounter God. God will hear you. So where are you this morning? Are you the Pharisee? Are you the tax collector? Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. We're going to open these altars in just a moment if you want to come and pray or sit. But I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. Because, you know, I would have to say this morning, I think our singing was pretty good. If I have to say my preaching was probably pretty good. But, you know, that's irrelevant to these next few moments. The whole purpose of our worship is our response to what Holy Spirit says. So would you bow your heads this morning? I'm going to give you an opportunity to just go before the Father. But here's what I want you to do. Three things in approaching Him. Be humble. Be repentful. Is there a sin in your life that needs repenting? 
and be expectful. Expect Holy Spirit to speak to you in these next few moments. Father God, I just call on you now. Father, I pray that Holy Spirit would have freedom to move. Father, I believe with all my heart that you are here this morning. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here. Father, I believe that Holy Spirit is speaking. Father, would you help us now to be responsive to what Holy Spirit is leading?